Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I hope everybody's paying attention today because we have a guest calling in from Arizona. And you might know him as the Cunanan Shaman during the January 6th riot. But his real name is Jake Angeli. And uh, I want to welcome Jake to the show today. How you doing, Jake? Doing well. Thank you. So, man... Diving in, you know, you look like a last of Mohican warrior in the photos that we've saw everywhere. And how did you get down that road of being in the middle of this thing during January 6th? Well, I went to the MAGA Million March on December 12th in 2020 and everything was fine. Everything was peaceful. I expected more of the same on January 6th. Um, the doors that I walked through into the Senate were kicked open from the inside, but they were still open doors. And um, I was doing my best to ensure there was peace and stability. There was no theft or vandalism or violence inside the building. I got into the Senate chamber because I was escorted in by police officers after I offered to help clear the chamber, ensure there was no vandalism, violence, or theft. I also was like pretty much the only one that was telling people to go home after Donald Trump's tweet came out telling everybody to go home. So, you know, the the Mockingbird media chose to use to chose to use my image as a shocking image to use in their shock and awe campaign. And because the narrative inside the building as far as like peaceful demonstrations versus, you know, the chaos that was outside because there was largely peaceful demonstrations inside and they needed something to shock and awe the people that happened inside the building, they used my image, and then they correlated that image with the things that went on outside. Well, I'm talking to you. I mean, I see that you're very, very calm and very, very calm demeanor. And you were, when I saw it, I didn't really pay attention to it that much. I try to stay out of the, the politic realm. But when I saw it, they kind of made you seem a little aggressive. Now that I'm talking to you, I don't see that at all. Is that what you kind of perceived yourself? Yeah, what they did is they took the images of me either singing my shamanic song or screaming freedom. And uh, those are the images that they chose to use. So, you know, after this is over and you have this calm demeanor and, you know, you walk away and then next thing you know, somebody's knocking on your door. I mean, what did that feel like? Well, I turned myself in so that nobody had to knock on my door. When I found out the FBI was looking for me, I called them and arranged, you know, phone call and a meeting. I was traveling back from DC and so I called them. They were looking for information on me. I said, well, here, I'll give you whatever information you want to know. What's up? And then uh, they set up a meeting at the FBI field office here in Phoenix. And then from there, I was arrested. So I knew that if I didn't do that, then I most certainly would get the SWAT treatment. And I'm not dumb enough to sit around and wait for that. You thought you were representing in the right way. Talking to you now, you have a very calm demeanor. You had to serve, what, 41 months in jail, correct? Well, uh, technically, technically I, I served 29 months of my 41-month sentence because okay. I had a year off. I got a year off for a good time and FSA credits. So you had to serve 29 months of your life in jail. And then you come out, going through that experience, because I think 
time passes us by pretty quick. I mean, how do you feel about that right now? Well, time is the currency of the universe. You can either waste it, invest it, or spend it. I chose to invest my time in self-improvement while I was locked up. I was not going to waste it feeling sorry for myself. So I chose to educate myself. I chose to work out. I chose to help as many people that I could while I was in prison, whether it be drug addicts or it be people that are like career criminals and stuff like that. I tried to help them to see life from a spiritual perspective through a spiritual lens. I taught a metaphysics class while I was in prison. I did everything that I could to help and invested my time in making the world a better place and making myself better. So I think that regret is too heavy a burden, much like hatred or resentment. It's too heavy a burden to be carried into the future. It gets very, very heavy and it slows you down from making real progress. I don't believe in the notion that we should beat ourselves up for mistakes made because that does no good. If I could go back and stop the whole thing from happening to begin with, if I knew what was going to happen, I would have stopped, had much more intensity in my campaign to stop people from, you know, yelling at police officers and stuff like that. I tried to stop it in the beginning, but who's going to listen to the guy in the horns and the face paint telling everybody to calm down, you know? So long answer to a short question. I believe that what I went through was an ordeal, a shamanic ordeal. And in shamanism, ordeals are gone through so that the tribe or the nation can be protected from evil and nefarious forces and negative timelines. And so that's try, that's how I try to see it. Interesting. So you, you mentioned something there, metaphysics, because I have these rationales. I've read one book and half the Bible, and I have these rationales coming through. And, and I talked to a lot of neuroscientists and, and different things. And, you know, there's a certain place where science stops, where it begins. And just just feeling, I can feel your energy now because when I'm either speak to someone that has a lot of energy around them, I can feel energy through my hand. I can feel it around my body. Did you have any traditional studies in, in metaphysics? Is that something or is that just these rationales that come to you naturally? What's the story around understanding metaphysics? Well, largely what it came down to was first initial experience, my personal experience of these things. And then after I experienced these things, Eventually, after doing enough research, I would find the laws of physics that correlated with my experiences. You would feel something because I think I think where I'm getting to here is when I talk to a lot of people, I feel things. And when you feel something, your rationales are more real in your space. But when you are trying to explain that to someone because they don't feel it. I think sometimes they don't get the rationales as easily. What do you think about that type of process? Well, a lot can actually be relayed through feeling. Intuition can give you massive amounts of information that go far beyond the use of word. And that I think is largely what the shamanic path is about is learning to fathom and grasp reality beyond the use of syntax and cognition, beyond the use of words. So feelings enter that realm that go beyond words. And from those feelings, we can get large amounts of data. And we just have to learn how to listen. <laughs> we have to learn how to, to, you know, believe our feelings and our intuition and try and discern what is real as far as what are, what is an intuitive wisdom and what is um, not. 
what is something like akin to fear or anxiety or something. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I mean, it, it does. And it's good to talk to someone that understands what I'm talking about because I think a lot of times, well, first of all, let me say this. I talk about, about a lot, people need to find themselves and understand themselves right? Put value in yourself, you know, relish information and things for yourself. And when you do that and you you're confident with self, right? And then you have these feelings, right? I think you can understand the feelings more than a lot of people do today because a lot of people today, I think maybe 80%, maybe more people that are walking on this earth are not creating value for themselves. They're creating value for other things, other pieces of the puzzle that they think is important. And it creates a disconnect. So if you're supposed to respond with those feelings and understand by understanding yourself, when you have those feelings, you don't, you don't know where to go. Uh, you don't know what to do because you haven't found yourself. And then you look at Western society, how they try to put a bandaid on those feelings. What do you think about that scenario and, and how do we get more and more people to put value into themselves? I think that a lot of people view themselves as a social construct within society. They are not truly understanding their divine nature. I think the way that our culture has been set up, we've been set up to be consumers of trash, total garbage, based on materialism, based on false premises of reality. And from these false premises of reality, we misconstrue our identity, whether it be political or racial or sexual or social or religious. We use these institutions and these social constructs within our culture to craft our identity when who and what we really are is far more than a social construct. It is a metaphysical truth. It is a physical truth. And when we base our identity on a relationship with God, on a relationship to the whole, unified field, source, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, then we can really begin to, shall we say, build our house on the rock. We are Most people in the world are building their houses on sand, and they think that because they have these nice elaborate homes on sand that got built really quickly, that, that somehow that makes them wealthy. But as soon as a strong rain comes and a flood comes, guess where that house is going? And I think that that's kind of what a lot of people are going through right now, because on a socioeconomic and geopolitical scale, there is a massive flood, and that is destroying people's identities based on these social constructs. I do a lot of content, and I try to come up with messages and being inspired and so forth. And I was thinking, you know, first of all, I think a two-party system doesn't work. I don't even like politics because I think that um, the narrative is being controlled by a position outside of politics. When are we going to wake up? And, and you know, when you see candidates on both sides being defamed uh, to the extreme level, trying to find every piece of dirt or information against a political party. The one thing that, that really bothers me that the politicians don't think about is you realize our kids who subconscious is being programmed, you know, to a certain age are seeing all this nonsense. You know, when are, when are we going to quit being lazy and actually do something, you know, as a moving body to improve 
humanity situation? Well, the Native Americans have a tradition where they ask themselves whenever they're at a crossroads, how will the decision we make today affect seven generations from now? And we don't seem to do that here in the West anymore. And uh, I mean, shit, they don't even do it over in the East anymore, for God's sake. That being the case, I think that the the whole saying something strong men make easy times easy times make weak men weak men make hard times hard times make strong men that kind of applies in this instance because we've had a lot of weak men making very hard times for quite some time and people especially here in america have been very comfortable for a long time and they haven't really noticed the walls closing in around them because they were too busy watching the football game and having a beer and going to work and you know thinking that everything was fine while they ate their gmo food and you know consumed their pesticides and smoked a cigarette you know what i'm saying so what's happened i think is that and i think also pollution plays a factor as well we have had chemical veils placed over our minds placed over us in in the environment along with these social constructs the chemicals reinforce the social constructs they limit our capability of thinking deeply of having prolonged contemplation on the self meditating praying etc religion has hijacked our ability to connect and have a personal relationship with god um and so because the walls are closing in because the flood is coming and sweeping away people's houses that they've built on the sand, people are very uncomfortable because these are hard times created by weak men. And as people get more and more uncomfortable, they begin to search for truth and answers. I think that things like reality TV are actually, in one way or another, a symptom of the fact that people know that they are living a lie. And so they want something that's real. And I think that the more and more fake our politicians or our celebrities or you know what have you, our, our institutions become, the more of a thirst for truth and actual reality it is creating. And everything has an equal and opposite reaction. So as they try to suppress consciousness on a global scale, so too they are creating a massive uh, surge in a rise in consciousness, a, a uplifting, an awakening. And so it's it's funny how they kind of shot themselves in the foot in that sense. So what what is your daily like your lineage, who's your family, and and what's your daily practices? As far as like my bloodline is concerned, I have been told that I have, you know, Italian, I've got Cheyenne, I've got, you know, Nordic or Viking, I've got Irish, I'm kind of a mutt. What I find interesting about a lot of those, well, a lot of those genetic lineages is they're all in one way or another deeply spiritual. So it would make sense why it is that I have the spiritual perspective that I do. And as far as my daily routine goes, I mean, I pray every day. You know, I do my best to go to the gym at least five, six times a week. I like going for hikes and being in nature, but I also really don't like having a routine. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. like <laughs> I like I like just kind of being free to do what I got to do. I mean, I, I work, you know, I, I do stuff online. I, I, I do consultations on my website and stuff like that. But as far as a routine goes, I don't like being stuck in a rut. I don't like spinning my wheels in a routine. Well, maybe routine, I guess I'm trying to put that in a, a Western concept. I mean, when I say routine, you know, what is innate in you um, on how you see the world? Like, what do you feel like driving you? Oh, saving humanity and the planet. 
<laughs> that's pretty much the gist of it. You know, saving yeah. humanity and the planet. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. And, and, and going back to the, the January 6th thing, I mean, outside looking in, I mean, what do you see and feel there in the political spectrum? Well, January 6th, the riot that took place, in my opinion, was a setup, and it was a setup that ended up turning into a PSYOP. It was a setup that was created by nefarious forces within the corrupt apparatuses of government so that they could go after Donald Trump and his supporters. And... They did so with a psychological warfare operation, a PSYOP that took place after the January 6th events where the media and the government were in lockstep going after Trump and his supporters with great intensity. So when that when you look at good or bad, I guess I guess what I'm saying, I think there's I think there's two directions. There's light or dark. Um what do you see that's light and what do you see that's dark? About January sixth or in general? Just in general. Just if you looked at the oh. landscape. If you looked at the landscape of society, because I understand I understand how you think and and I think maybe your position is not really political. I just think you maybe want to lean towards the the light and sell the light. But when you look at that whole perspective as a whole around the world, I mean, what do you, what comes to your mind? What do you see that's light or dark? You know, is do you see anybody doing anything in the light space? Do you see more people doing things in the dark space? Because I think it's one or the other. Well, I think that let's let's just talk for a second about the dark, and then we'll talk about what the light is doing to counteract. So. In the Amazon, the Amazonians believe that evil is rooted in the individual reinforcing the illusion of separation, whether it be from another human being or from nature, that that is the root of evil, is, is believing in the illusion of separation. And if you look into the work of Philip Zimbardo, the guy that did the Stanford prison experiment and his lecture called The Lucifer Effect and the Origins of Evil or the Psychology of Evil, rather, then you'll find that evil gets broken down into three things. And it starts with dehumanization. And from dehumanization, you end up getting echo chambers and environments within which this dehumanization is reinforced on a social level, within the social construct, within the culture. And then from that echo chamber, atrocities are committed in more and more intense ways. Evil is, is enacted in more and more intense ways. And it is reinforced because the people that are doing these things believe that those that are they're doing it to are not human. And then the third thing that creates some of the most evil in the world is anonymity and this belief that the individual that is committing the evil act is anonymous in one way or another, either through wearing a mask or painting their face in a way that is unrecognizable or, you know, and we see this in online culture. We also see this le level and notion of anonymity and how it relates to evil regarding the people that are behind the scenes of corporations or behind the scenes of institutions like BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street, or people like the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers staying behind the scenes, people like Soros liking to stay behind the scenes, Bill Gates. You know, these people have controlled or are, or are attempting to control society from behind the scenes for decades. And the things that they enact are, in many cases, evil acts, in my personal opinion. Uh, the systems of socioeconomic and geopolitical power are largely parasitic, both on humanity and on the planet itself. Because these systems serve less than 1% of the population, enriching them 
and uh, at the expense of the other 99.9% of all life on the planet, not just humanity. Now, the light side, what do I see? What I see is people, in spite of everything, doing their best to spread truth. I see people standing up to evil. I see people refusing to comply with an evil system. And like Gandhi said, if you contribute or if you cooperate with an evil system, you contribute to its evil. So I see a great thirst for truth and real justice. I see that the really, what I like to call the less than one percenters, these really, you know, rich fat cats, these globalists, they're the ones that are attempting to destroy the world. And the other 99.9% .9 are actually trying to save it, which is rather ironic because the less than one percenters have the financial means to buy, either destroy or to improve the world. But we're, we're, with these people, we're literally talking about people that would rather destroy the world than lose control of it. So what I also see on the light side is, you know, it reminds me of that line in, in The Lord of the Rings where Gandalf was talking and he said that Saruman believes that only great power can defeat evil, but I think that it's in the little things, you know, a kind gesture, um, you know, uh, helping people in, in, so like holding the door open for somebody, you know, giving a homeless person a blanket at night or some food, a smile, you know, or something like that. These are the little things like drops of rain on the mountainside that shape the terrain of our world. And I think that there's a flood of raindrops and positivity coming during a time where the less than one percenters are trying to oppress us and, and use their monopoly on the initiation of force through corrupt governments to enforce their will. Well, I think you explained that extremely well and you broke it down extremely well. And I'm going to add to that just a little bit because I think that sometimes we get caught in these absolutes and we present things in these absolutes. And if, you know, we say these words like this guy may be trying to destroy the world or he may be trying to help the world, whatever it is, I think that's a big statement. And I think a lot of times these guys who are greedy, by default, they're not thinking of the outcome to the masses and, and the effect that may have on the masses because they're blinded by the situation or blinded by the opportunity. Um, because I think that if you develop this, it's kind of like a, you know, it's like a gambler, you know, a businessman's the same way. When a businessman gets in a situation, he has this feeling, right, when he closes this deal. And I think they're searching for that feeling. And we are we are the guinea pigs by default at the end of the day when you think about that. And hopefully that makes sense trying to trying to somewhat break that down. But when you, you look at the Bible and, and want to put spirituality to that, the biggest thing in the Bible is the money is the root of all evil. What we're living in now in the United States is not a capitalist system. It hasn't been capitalist for some time. It's a form of fascism because what we have is about 150 or so international corporations that are dictating the regulations that we have to live by here in the United States through the regulatory agencies within the United States government, what we call the bureaucracy. And they are in many ways using the government's monopoly on the initiation of force to reinforce their monopolies over our resources and our labor. Now, I do believe that greed is certainly an issue 
Gandhi once said that the world has enough for every man's need, but not every man's greed. And I think that that is very much applicable. However, I think that the demonization of capitalism is part of the issue here because we don't live in a capitalist system. If we lived in a capitalist system, then Nikola Tesla would have been able to give us infinite free, clean, wireless electricity a long time ago. Dr. Reif's machine would have been able to give us a cure for cancer in the 1930s. There would have been all sorts of inventions that had made their way to the marketplace that created competition, which is what capitalism is all about, is competition. Basically solved all the problems that we're dealing with right now because we're living in a fascist system. And that's not just in the United States, that's on a global scale. Oh, I 100% agree. And let's say that's one piece of it, right? So let's let's dive this into humanity. And when you, you know, what we we're talking about the beginning about finding oneself, right? And if we are this person, when we are centered, right? And the more and more negative, the more and more dark energy we take on, that starts pushing this and speaking to how you described this at the beginning, this level of darkness begins to perpetuate itself. So in the entities that you're talking about, understand that. So by understanding that philosophy and perpetuating that idea, when you place a pocket narrative in a weak environment, because the darkness has weakened people at a mass level, it gives you more control. All that speaks to finding yourself at the end of the day, because we are supposed to be the ones that have, you know, these abilities to do things that we don't know we can do, because that's what I feel. And there's more people that can do things that they don't know that they can do. Is there any thoughts on like putting, trying to, I was trying to figure out a way to how to bring that whole story together about these pieces. Cause I think sometimes we dissect these things based on definitions. Uh, and you know, you define capitalism exactly what it is. You define fascism exactly what it is. But for, I guess from my, my perspective, it, it's a movement. It's a feeling it's perpetuating either the dark or you perpetuate the light, you know, and it's it's like if you perpetuate the light and tell yourself you can do anything over and over and over, you probably can do it. Yes. And I think more people need to get to that place. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that part of the reason why we're in the mess that we're in is because we have underestimated our own power and ability. I think that people like Klaus Schwab are telling everybody that they're going to live in 15-minute cities where they're constantly surveilled, where they're going to wear uniforms, they're going to own nothing and be happy, and everybody's going to eat bugs. I think the reason why they're telling everybody that uh, at the World Economic Forum and from you know why Klaus Schwab has the audacity to make such a ridiculous and bold prediction is because they're trying to program our minds with their vision of the future. They're trying to get us to manifest the the reality that they want for us as humanity and by placing in our minds in our subconscious their view of reality informing forming in our minds their view of reality and uh, to quote Timothy Leary to think for yourself you must question authority and learn how to place yourself in a state of vulnerable open-mindedness chaotic confused vulnerability to inform yourself and what institutions whether they be religious political economic parental whatever what they've done is they've given us borders, they've given us boundaries, they've given us rules and regulations, they've given us order for our minds because we a lot of the time are not – we don't know what to do with ourselves, especially as children. We, we're, we're, I mean granted we want to play all the time, but as far as like the big questions in life, we don't know how to answer them. So 
there's a certain level of necessity to order to the notion of rules and uh that's fine but i think that when you have a criminal class that is in the, writing the rules and enforcing the rules on everybody else except for themselves then you don't have a government anymore you you certainly don't have a, a leader you have as a dictator and obviously, when we look throughout human history, the worst atrocities of all have been committed by the biggest of hypocrites and the worst of tyrants who impose their will on everyone except themselves. I think it was the Buddha said that something like um, a man who conquers himself is greater than any man who has conquered a thousand men in battle. So I think that that is the ultimate goal for most people. And when we get into this notion of definitions, once again, we come back to this idea of syntax and cognition. And the way that we fathom and grasp the totality of our existence and our place in it. We as individuals have been led astray by our culture. We have been indoctrinated into a false value system. We have been brainwashed into believing illusions and lies. And from those illusions and lies, we have created a distorted world of chaos and famine, disease and war death and destruction. And we're seeing the manifestation of our apathy and our ignorance all around us. And in many cases, we as individuals are to blame. So if we're going to correct it, we have to go inward first. We have to make changes inside first. And then the world will end up reflecting that change because we are being the change we wish to see. And when that takes place, we take our power back. And that's why they try to keep us distracted with football and beer and, you know, clubbing and uh, Kim Kardashian's ass and stuff like that, <laughs> because it keeps us away from going inward. Mm -hmm. We're always looking for something or someone outside of ourselves when the truth was within the whole time. Well, when I, when I hear what you're. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Saying and how you're saying it. I mean, it's very foundational, you know, and, and when I look at the words that they tag to who you are as a person, isn't conspiracy theorist, I mean, isn't that a little played out? Because everything you said right there is very foundational to me uh, and should be foundational to a lot of people. Why, do, why, are we, why are we using that term conspiracy theorist to a guy like you that's, that's speaking, I'll say, very foundational statements? Because in a world filled with propaganda, everything is a, cons uh, the truth is a conspiracy. <laughs> you, know? you know, like 
because uh, that it, let us not forget that JFK's assassination and the ensuing uh, psyop that took place afterward. That's where the term conspiracy theory or conspiracy theorist came from was when people were like, this whole thing with Lee Harvey Oswald, just something doesn't feel right here. Some, this doesn't make sense, you know? And so I think that when we start talking about dissolving the social constructs, when we really start talking about reality, not as we think it is, but as it actually objectively is for itself, then we get into some deep water, we get into some hot water. Because, like I said previously, most people's identities are formulated around these social constructs, whether they be religious, political, social, sexual, racial, whatever. And so when you start dissolving those social constructs and those illusions, those smoke screens of BS, then people have cognitive dissonance. They don't know what to do. This is how they've learned to navigate the world. This is how they formulated the world in their mind. And once that begins to crumble, I mean, not, not everybody's ready for that, unfortunately. But that's also by design because these social constructs make a lot of, uh, should I say, make a very select few people a lot of money. And I, th I think based on your narrative and how you're speaking and, you know, there's a lot more there than the, uh, than the face paint and the hat. In the horns and stuff when we first were introduced to you. I mean, where do you, what's your goals and what do you want to do the next couple years? What's your goals with your narrative? Because I think more people, you need to utilize that platform to put this narrative out to the war world. Well, I'm thinking about running for Congress. I don't know. We'll see. In all honesty, I don't like the idea of running for political office at all. I would much, I'm a spiritual activist, not a political one. So, uh, but I think that our socioeconomic and geopolitical systems are are so corrupted and distorted because our spiritual systems, our spiritual perspective is so corrupted and distorted. So that being the case in the future, because we're a little uh, over, uh, no, a little under a year away from the election of 2024, I think the next upcoming year is going to be interesting to say the least. Then I, I think decades and centuries ahead. And so for me, the next year is going to be more so about message, getting the message out. Because this right here, this right here is the battlefield. And because people have based their identities on social constructs, they have been starved for the truth. They've, they thirst for it. And the thing about the truth is, is that it's not just heard, it's also felt. It's a feeling that you get when you hear it. And so my goal is to introduce the truth to as many people as possible over the course of the next year so as to transform the minds and the hearts of not just the American, but humanity as a whole. If we don't get on the same page, if we, if we don't stop fighting each other over the squabbles that our governments choose to create for us, then we're not going to make it. We, I mean, think about given the current direction of society with the massive amounts of pollution, the wars, the genocides, the mass extinctions, the mass ecocides, the pollution of water supplies, the destruction of crops and, and GMO and through GMOs and pesticides. Like, where were we going to, where are we going to be seven generations from now, given this current direction? Like, how are these decisions going to affect seven generations from now? And nobody in politics, nobody in the social realm or in media or in entertainment is asking this question. Nobody's thinking decades ahead. Nobody's thinking centuries ahead, except for the people 
people that want to take over the world. <laughs> so as mm -hmm. far as I'm concerned, we need somebody that's like on the light side that's like, no, 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 like we're not going to go down that dark road of human extinction and transhumanism and global catastrophe. We're going to go down this road of symbiosis and infinite free clean energy and health and uh, education and uh, uh, the revitalization of the ecosystem and mass abundance of food and clean water. Like that's what we're going to need. <laughs> well, it, it, and it's weird. I talked to a lot of these different people, these in entities or people that have positions in different parts, you know, of the world, like the, the hospitals and talking to them about cost and all that. And I was like, how about, you know, what if we did something that's preventative, you know, a preventative structure, get ahead of the curve. Cause I do have this thing too. And I don't know where this rationale comes in. We feed off what we see. So if you continue to feed off what you see, the whole world is continuing to feeding off what they see. You create more opinions and more controversy. But if you go to an environment or create your own environment or create a new idea, a new position, a new direction that's preventative, that's ahead of the curve, you eliminate opinions and controversy. And I don't understand why people don't under understand that. And the other, the other process, I feel like based on how you explain government, I feel like the government is in a discovery mindset. Because if you're in a discovery mindset, you're feeding off what you see, all these things have already happened. They're already down the road. We're not creating a new way to give our kids new information to help their subconscious. Because us who are past, I'll say 20 as an example, you know, if you're past 25, 30, you know, you can reset your brain in nine weeks with the right thought process. But it's, it's hard to get, you know, a lot of those thinkings out of the system. But if you start a new way that's preventative to, you know, ki I guess giving kids information when they come into this earth. That's where the reset is. Because I had this other information coming through. If you understand that and you understand going back to the pandemic, and I want to finish going to a, a discovery mindset compared to a creator's mindset. Because if you have a creator's mindset, you can be preventative. You can get to the answers faster. But the other thing to come through, even though the pandemic was, it was what it was. But when everybody slowed down, the earth in certain parts of the world started healing itself. It seems like with us knowing that, understanding that, even though this was seen through the pandemic, more pe I think more people need to recognize that type of thing about how the earth was healing itself during this time. At the end of the day, with this conversation, I think you have to find yourself. All this information is right in front of us. We need to dig deeper. We need to quit being lazier, if you will, to try to help, you know, the direction in the path we're on right now. If you had to do over, would you get, you know, this January 6th thing kind of going through what you went through kind of gave you a platform? It's almost like it may be a happen for a reason. If you invest your time well, then it everything that the enemy planned for evil can be used for good. No weapon forged against me shall prosper. So the way I look at it is I'll do whatever God asks me to do. And God told me that God will never ask me to hurt myself or anybody else. But God might ask me to go through some crap mm -hmm. and to do things that aren't fun, do things that are work. But if I if it means saving humanity in the seventh generation, if it means saving the planet, then a little bit of work during my lifetime is a small price to pay. And I think that the biggest lie that has been pushed 
on the average individual or the the people themselves as a whole is that they are ineffectual and that it doesn't matter what they do, say, or think that the New World Order is going to roll out regardless, when nothing could be further from the truth. They need our compliance. They need our acquiescence. They need us and our ability to use the law of attraction and the power of manifestation and stuff like that for them. That's what they need. So in my opinion, uh, like look at it like this. Imagine if there was a Jewish person in Nazi Germany that saw the future and was able to see what was going to happen with the Holocaust as Nazis are rising to power in Germany. What could that one person have done to steer Germany away from the Holocaust? Would they have had to do it at great personal sacrifice, but could it have saved millions of lives? You see what I'm saying? And this mm -hmm. is the power behind trusting like what you were saying and having faith and, and believing in yourself and entrusting God that God, God's plan is better than anything we can dream of. And as long as we go with that plan, then we will have the wind at our back. Hopefully everybody can learn something from this discussion. I mean, I think we covered a lot of things. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you'd want to go over? Well, you know, if people like what they've heard, they can go to my website, ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com. That's ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com. Dot com. There's all sorts of free courses, free podcasts, free interviews that people can watch. There's literally dozens of hours at this point of content that's totally free. And they can learn more in depth on spiritual matters, even things like AI. We have a course on how to raise your IQ and use the power of uh, manifestation, the law of attraction. All this stuff is free. We have one on the secrets of spiritual warfare. We have another one on interdimensional insights and how the dimensions work and stuff like that. So there's lots of good stuff. They can also check out my book, One Mind the time a deep state of illusion by jacob angeli it's on the website but it's also on amazon if you want to get it on amazon it's only 9.99 it's only 150 pages i don't make very much money on it at all i'm more so about message not money that being said the one thing that i like to do is i like to offer solutions because we've discussed a lot of the problems and I can do that in rather short order if you'd like me to. Yeah, go ahead. What we're dealing with on a global scale is the centralization of currency and resources and labor. Basically, the monopolization of currency, resources, and labor on behalf of less than 1% of the population. They do it through financial institutions and through corporations. Now, um, and, and obviously through governments as well that collude and work with these international banks and corporations. Now, as they've gone from country to country, they've invaded countries through corporations, not through invading armies now. They've invaded uh, countries through centralized banking systems, not through armies. And then through the banking systems and the corporations, they exploit the uh, populations. They use their labor. They get their resources on the cheap. They pay them you know, minuscule wages, they pollute the environment, they destroy the environment, which causes disease, which they make money on through covering up the symptoms and stuff like that, big pharma, it, surgery, etc. So the whole system is a self-referential and self-reinforcing system, parasitism, and humanity and the planet are the host. It is a system that has, quote JFK, conspired vast human and material resources to create a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, scientific, and economic uh, and political operations. So that being said, they have centralized power. 
through corruption, through financial institutions and corporations, monopolizing our currency resources and our labor. And by centralizing all these things, they've done something called full, they've created a system what is called full spectrum dominance. It's a military term. It means control over number one, the psychology, the mass psychology of a nation or a group of people. Okay. And from the control of mass psychology through things like psychological warfare, they then end up gaining control over the land, the seas, the air and the airspace, subterranean, deep underground military bases, extraterrestrial space and satellites, things like chemical and biological agents, technologies, things like, for example, cell phones, computers, televisions, radio, cell phone towers, radio towers, satellites, etc. Um, and then also the medical apparatus, the food apparatus, the water, and things like the finan financial apparatus. This gives them full spectrum dominance. That means that these less than 1% of the population have dominance over this entire system, everything that we use to live. They control, they profit from our using, okay? Now, you don't want to waste your energy fighting the old. You want to use your energy to build something new. The, coming back to what you were saying about the creator mentality as opposed to the discovery mentality, right? We want to learn to use our creative skills and our creative impulses to create something better, a system that's better that renders the old system obsolete. Now, Nikola Tesla tried to give the world infinite, free, clean, wireless electricity in the early 1900s. Dr. Royal Raymond Rife tried to give humanity a cure for disease, viral infections, cancer, uh, parasitic infections, fungal infections, bacterial infections, like tried to give us a cure for all of these things in the 1930s. He was working with Tesla to figure out a way to use frequency and vibration to destroy disease. And similar to how you can destroy a, sound, a wine glass with sound and frequency, you can also destroy a cancer cell or a virus with sound and frequency. You just have to be able to match the frequency of that cell or that virus or whatever, and you can destroy it without doing any damage to healthy human tissue. So we already have a solution to decentralize our energy grid with Nikola Tesla infinite free clean wireless energy towers. You and also I'll, have to interject. I, just, oh, I, just yeah. want to interject. I want to interject on that point if you're out there listening. That is... What he's talking about with Nikola Tesla's energy is called zero-point energy. And um, if you want to expand on that, that's what Dr. Stephen Greer talks about, who's been on the show. So I just want to interject that. That's zero-point energy. That's not a facade. You can Google that, look it up. It'll define it. So check out zero-point energy. But go ahead. Well, and I actually was going to get to that, which is interesting. <laughs> so you can also use these Tesla towers to create a new communication grid. So we don't have to use the cell phone towers, the satellite satellites, the radio towers and stuff like that, which also means that we don't have to use these cell phones that are spy devices anymore, that we can create a new communication grid, a new energy grid, all of which the globalists, less than one percenters have sought to centralize and therefore control us. Uh, we can also use these Tesla towers to emit frequencies that are responsible for the increase in plant growth. So you can cr create a frequency that causes plants to grow. So agriculture can end up being quintupled in its productivity without the need for pesticides and genetic modification. So food can become abundant. Um, another example would be how we can actually use these Tesla towers and the frequencies that are coming off of them in combination with things like bioremediating fungi. Bioremediation is when like a fungus or a plant converts a toxic chemical into organic material and resets the ecosystem. 
system. So we can use these frequencies in combination with bioremediating fungi, plants, and microbiological life called archaea. These are like the most ancient microbiological life forms on the planet that basically are able to reset ecosystems. We can use all of these things to clean up messes like what's happened in East Palestine, Ohio, or the chemical fire and explosion that just took place in Texas or in Louisiana or whatever. We can actually reset the ecosystem quite simply and easily with the Tesla Towers and this bioremediating fungi, archaea, and plants. We can also use the ley lines that the Tesla Towers are built on, like electromagnetic highways. And we can use, and this is where we get into the zero-point energy thing, is uh, we can use the three patents that Donald Trump released and declassified in 2020. Patents were filed by a man named Salvador Pius which just so happens to mean savior of our nation, by the way. And these three patents were a zero-point energy engine, a room temperature superconductor, and a TR-3B, which is a triangular-shaped craft that uses inertia propulsion or anti-gravity to fly through the air and travel through space and time. So these electromagnetic highways that we call ley lines and the Tesla towers that are built on top of them can almost act like hubs and electromagnetic highways for these TR-3Bs to move and circumnavigate the globe. Now, that means that because they can go from LA to DC in the snap of a finger, that means the price of goods and services is going to go down dramatically. That means that all this abundance of food that we've created through revolutionizing or rather evolutionizing agriculture, that we can spread the surplus. That means that prices of food are going to go down. The transportation is going to be safer. It's going to be cheaper. It's going to be more effective. It's going to be faster. Another example would be uh, how Royal Raymond Rife's machine and frequency and vibration can end up revolutionizing the medical industry and decentralizing the medical industry, getting it out of the hands of big pharma. How we can end up changing the whole lumber industry through things like hemp, how we can change the home building industry through things like hemp. We can get rid of plastics. We can get rid of all these pollutants and, and uh, the destruction of the environment, whether it be lithium mining, whether it be solar panels, which are highly toxic, by the way, um, made with fit over 50 toxic chemicals, the wind turbines that are killing birds, the oil drilling that is destructive to the environment, et cetera, et cetera. We can get nuclear power, which is just absolutely ludicrous. It takes over 100 thousand years to biodegrade. All of this stuff can just be rendered obsolete. That's, that's the solution. We have to create a new infrastructure through Tesla Towers, through Dr. Rife's machine, through TR3Bs and zero-point energy. And when we do that, everything changes because our civilization will have a symbiotic relationship with the environment. We will have a symbiotic relationship with each other. And all of these systems can be reinforced with and by a precious metal backed currency because the prices on medical procedures or on hospitalization or insurance or on transportation or on resources or on food, all of these things, all these prices are going to be lowered. Transportation, the supply chain, all of it's going to be lowered. So that means that a precious metal backed currency is actually plausible because then we won't have large amounts, large sums of money being exchanged every day because of billions of dollars in you know barrels of oil or what have you being transferred from one economy to another. So these are the solutions and this is the creative mindset. And once people understand and see this vision of the future instead of Klaus Schwab's vision of the future, once people see this vision of the future, then there's no stopping it from coming into you know being. Well, after that, I think your dominant lineage is Norse, is Scandinavian. Why do you say that? And I'll explain why. I don't know. I've, I've had a lot of people in it from that are Norse-affiliated Scandinavian. 
a lot of people don't realize that the Norse Scandinavians kind of created the structure that kind of designed the world. And it seems like your rationale speaks to that structure of design very easily because it's hard to rationalize that for a lot of people. And if you're able to rationalize that very quickly, that's what I feel and kind of sense this is where your narrative's coming from. Well, that's an interesting point. I would like to think that it's a combination of Eastern and Western philosophy because they both have things right and they both have things wrong. And when we get rid of the wrong on both sides and combine the right, we get some stuff done. You know, like the Native Americans, for example, they used to plant squash, corn, and um, and beans all together. And the beans, the vines would climb up the corn stalk and the squash would spread out around the, the ground. So this would keep out weeds. The beans would climb the corn stalk and the corn stalk would grow uh, and uh, you'd have corn, beans, and squash all in one area. And the way that each of the plants fed each other as far as how they fed the soil, the way they rebalanced everything and stuff like that, you know, it's symbiosis. And so I think that once we really start recognizing that we as humanity have the opportunity to either be symbiotic with each other in the environment or parasitic, we're going to go the symbiotic route because if you look at the the greatest strategy for survival it's symbiosis there's a reason why the crocodile doesn't eat the bird that's eating the parasites out of its teeth you mm -hmm. know what i mean there's a reason why the shark doesn't eat the little fish that's consuming the parasites on its side because both of them are getting something out of it mm -hmm. you know what i mean and yeah. it's to kill one is to kill themselves. And that is where we get into this notion of the recognition. And this is the root of all good. We said the root of all evil was the belief in the illusion of separation. And the root of all good is the recognition of the truth of oneness. Mm -hmm. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And that speaks to the energy that was created by God. Everything is one. It speaks, you know, when I heard the thing about the zero point energy, you know, when you really look at it, it speaks to creation. You know, if you look at the Vivarian man and, you know, or Vitruvian man, I, I always say it. My wife corrects me. Like, like I said, I think I have my own language because I grew up in the South. But yeah, that that energy speaks to oneness as one. We're all supposed to be balanced. We're supposed to be balanced between male and female and then everything on top of that. Because the, you know, I came up with this thing that came through about creation of four. And I talked to all these people around the world. I wasn't going to go there because I think I talk about it too much, but this is not really discussed. And I don't know where this, this rationale came through for me, but talking to different people putting pieces of the puzzle, I was told this is ancient knowledge, what I'm talking about. God, and, you know, I talked to one guy, told me that about the Theobia prophecy that God created the universe with four powers. The universe is four parts. Our planetary system has four terrestrial planets, has four gas planets. And how that's been defined is incorrect because if you, the moving parts of that are the sun, the moon, and Pluto. Pluto, or uh, the sun is your root chakra, right? You got Venus, uh, Mercury, Sacred Venus. Chakra. Yeah, Mercury, Venus, Earth is your heart chakra. Mars is your throat chakra. The moon is your third eye. Crown chakra is Pluto because it's the edge of the universe and that's closest to creation and spirituality. Then you break that down to the earth, right? And and this is something I, I'm going to blow you away with, right? You break that down to the earth and I'm going to show how going, I'm going to go back to the human body. When you look at the earth, earth inner core, 
outer core uh, mantle crust. There's four directions of the earth. There's four gases. You're made of four humors. There's four blood types. The Book of Gates talks about four human beings being created because when you understand the four directions and you understand the non-conscious, where science stops, science stops at the non-conscious because they, had, they won't let into play the philosophy and the intuitiveness of humans, which you know, they need to let that in play because if you understand the non-conscious, you would need four types of humans and four types of bloodlines to go in the four directions. Then you look at your heart, has four chambers and so forth. So the other piece that came to me when I was thinking about mathematically, because I thought when you understand, when you that's a creator's mindset. If you understand creation, all the way tied to the human body, it's all mathematical. So if we can figure out those mathematics, we can look at all the wrong decisions that have been made between the beginning of creation to the human body. And the other thing is that's not in our medical system is is the pineal gland. The pineal gland is your data center for God. And where this wherever this creation of four came from, for me, I talk about it because you can you can go on and on and on. And I had this thing about it being linear is a linear process of four and how it's tied together mathematically. And you looked at the third eye uh, symbol that the Egyptians created. Everything the Egyptians created was a pure source. So when you look at the angle that supports the eye, that one angle and then the one stem, right? If you put that angle, it's a one fourth slant. If you put that angle on a flat surface, uh, the Egyptian symbol, which is in our pineal gland, which is a bone, is a one-fourth slant. So if you say, think of creation of four tied to the bone that's a one-fourth slant in our head around our pineal gland, which is the data center of our God, which is being calcified by the fluoride in the water. If you want to open up sensory, you need to decalcify that pineal gland and that will enhance sensory. That's how creation is tied to the human body all the way through, through our planetary structure system and so forth. And I have no idea where that came from. Hmm. Well, I would say keep going down the road, man. You know, it, I think that there's, I think that intuitive wisdom is largely underrated. Mm -hmm. So if, if this is the way that you're seeing the world and if it helps you to make sense of things, then keep on going, you know? But I think someone like you hearing this, obviously you're the type of personality that needs to, foundationally understand it for yourself and connect the dots for yourself. I think once you connect the dots, I think you're going to have your own narrative that kind of relates to that based on where you're going. And 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 going back to the, the Norse comment is I think the Norse and the Native Americans are the same people. I just think their, their skin color changed as they moved closer to the equator. Yeah, you know? I... Uh, well, I mean, there there have been Nordic relics and coins and stuff found in the Americas that predate Columbus's journey here. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So, and I will come up with a close here, but if you want to go over your website one more time to check out, I think you got a lot of great knowledge. I hope everybody learned something from this. You're more than the picture that America saw. Um, I think you've got a lot of great information and can teach people a lot of things. So keep doing what you you do. And what's that website again? Well, thank you. It's ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com. That's ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com. At ForbiddenTruthAcademy.com, we have all sorts of free courses. We have uh, free interviews, free podcasts. 
we got my book. We've got a place where you can book me for interviews, or if you want, you can do a personal consultation with me. I would say review all of the free content first before you ask for a consultation, because we're going to try to package all the free content in a way that we can personalize it for you. There's also merchandise that you can purchase that's absolutely awesome. The website is worth visiting just to check out the merch. That being said, you can also follow me on X or Twitter at America Shaman. That's at America Shaman, at America Shaman on Twitter uh, or X. And, uh, you know, I usually post all my interviews and stuff like that on my X platform, on the Twitter platform. You can also see like clips and stuff there. Um, I also have a Rumble account called Yellowstone Wolf AZ. That's Yellowstone Wolf AZ. I also do a show called The Occult Apocalypse Show on Rumble that you can find where we basically lift the veil on everything occult and explain what's going on behind the scenes with a lot of these, you know, families and, you know, what we could consider conspiracy theories. And you can also find me uh, at Forbidden Truth Academy on Rumble or Forbidden Truth Podcast on Rumble. Awesome, awesome. Appreciate you coming on the show. And this has been Jake Angeli, America's Shaman, and I'm John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bang Productions. Thank you. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 